Today, I want to talk about purpose. Can we say that word together? One, two, three, purpose. Today, I want to talk about purpose. In fact, the title of the message is Living with Purpose. Living with Purpose, an Antidote to Idleness. Living with Purpose, an Antidote to Idleness. What gets me excited, the words that get me really excited with this message title is living with purpose. You know, purpose, when we have a vision, when we have a goal, when we have an aim in life, can I tell you, we have stepped into something good. We've stepped into something godly. And let me just say at the outset, whether you feel like you are living with a purpose or not, I just want to encourage you, God's created you on purpose. We believe here as a church that that you were created on purpose and with a purpose. Ephesians 2, Ephesians 2, verse 10, it says this, We are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. That verse right there just kind of lifts our spirit, doesn't it? Just kind of lifts our vision. Now listen, we may be working at J-O-B, somebody, but how many of you know you are not your J-O-B? You are wonderfully, masterfully, fearfully created by Almighty God to live on purpose and with a purpose. Now listen, life does come at us in seasons, right? And depending on your career, depending on your career path, there are busier, uh, more difficult seasons than others. But listen, the narrative, if you will, the overarching theme of your life is that you're not an accident, that God has purposefully and he's intentionally created you. And here's, here's the kick. You say, well, how does that tie in with the title? Of it? The tie-in is this. When we know and are living with an awareness of our God-given identity, hear me loud and clear, it is an antidote to idleness. An antidote to idleness. You know what an antidote is, right? It's a medicine given to, out, to counteract a particular poison. And make no bones about it. In your spiritual life, in your spiritual life, idleness is a poison. It can have devastating effects. My wife wanted me to clear something up, though. She said, Paul, make sure you differentiate between idleness and restfulness. Someone push pause in case you need to differentiate between idleness restfulness. You can be living on purpose and be full of rest. We are all about some rest. We're all about a Sabbath if you've been here for really any, a few months or so, you know I'm a big guy on the Sabbath, having that day set apart. Not a day off. You need a day off, but you need a Sabbath where you can delight, where you can be filled, and where you can be encouraged. But idleness, it's different than rest. Idleness means to, to just be kind of withering away. It's to be distracted by less than things. It's to be distracted, if you will. I think having other idols can lead to idleness permeating through our lives and through our being. And we are called as followers of Christ. Listen, there's not a day in our life that we, do, we can't live on purpose. We can always live on purpose. Always live with the mission. It's the beauty 
of what Paul says here. He says, we are God's handiwork. Check. That's a revelation we have to know deep within our soul. Many people live like they're an accident. I'm giving you permission. You go ahead, rip that label off and throw it away. You are God's handiwork. God's handiwork. Some translations say, you're his masterpiece. I mean, more like a Van Gogh than a Picasso, probably. Right? But you are a masterpiece created, created, created in who? Christ Jesus. Created by the goodness of God. And now that you've stepped into the family of God, so to speak, as a follower, if you are a follower, you understand, man, I'm no longer living for myself, no longer living for my old man. No, I, I have a God dream. I have a God purpose. There's a direction to my life. You know, uh, uh, to go when your vehicle's idle, it's not fun. It's just stopped. Unless you're going downhill, you pop that into neutral. But the engine isn't running as heavily, right? The accelerator isn't down. But I've noticed this. I've noticed this personally, and I've noticed this in the lives of followers of Christ, that sometimes idleness just has a way of subtly seeping in to our spiritual life. And we feel directionless. Where once we had clarity, we have confusion. Where once we had direction, man, we don't know our up from our down. Paul's encouraging the church. He's encouraging the church in Ephesus. I mean, it's one of the most pastorally minded letters he wrote. And he's saying, listen, never lose sight. Never forget. You were created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. So just sometimes, that's all you needed. Sometimes you just need to be reminded. You may not be like, man, I don't have all the details. I don't have my five-year, my 10-year, my 15, my 30-year plan. I don't have all the details. Sometimes just becoming aware. Can I tell you? Awareness is the first step. You begin to make baby steps in a direction. You begin to clear over your soul. And can I tell you, idleness is gripping our culture. It is. I'm not a doom and gloom guy. I'm a God is awesome. I have a sense of impending goodness kind of guy. My cup is not half full. It's overflowing. That is my nature. But can I tell you, I've noticed idleness. It has been crippling people, not only in their walk with God. When I think of anxiety, my goodness, it's through the roof in our culture. Sometimes, I'm not saying it's the only cure. Don't misread me. But one helpful step is becoming man. I have a sense of direction. I have a sense of purpose. I want to take a moment and, and just unpack that a little bit today. I want, to, I want to discuss that. I want to talk about that because I don't want to go all psychological on you here. But there are kind of two frameworks that people typically live in. And both of these uh, psychologists, philosophers, their last names start with F, which helps. Got a guy by the name of Sigmund Freud. You probably heard of him. A little less known character is a guy by the name of Viktor Frankl. Sigmund Freud, Viktor Frankl. Here's their premises. You're like, where am I? You're in church. Just give me a minute. <laughs> Sigmund Freud, he would say, man's meaning 
is to fulfill pleasure. Hence a lot of his right, sexual identity, sexual fulfillment, sexual pleasure. That is man's end game. That is unbeknownst to them, subconsciously or consciously, that is their driving force. Well, many people applauded. Yeah, well, now it all just makes sense, right? You've got the 60s sexual revolution. Really, that was one, not the only, but one of the driving forces behind that. Okay, okay, push pause. Along comes another, a, a Jewish Holocaust survivor named Viktor Frankl. Deep, tremendous, remarkable thinker. He comes along and he says, no, 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 no. That is man's subordinate driving force. Because people weren't created for pleasure. They were created for purpose. And he, he gives a great interview on YouTube. If you got some time, look it up. It's old. You know, I think it's from the 60s, 70s. But it's, but it, but it's remarkable just to listen to. He is in a... Uh, uh, in the state of Austria, which at the time that he's giving the interview has become just, just very socialist, and he's actually speaking out against some of, not socialism in its entirety, but some of its deep-seated wiring in that man seeks pleasure. And he, he says, no, 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 no. Man, the greatest meaning is that they seek purpose. They're lacking a purpose. And he says, how did I get through? How did I maintain some of what I journeyed through is because I knew I was crafted. I had identity. I wasn't a mistake. But if you know uh, anyone that is, is either orthodox or heavily rooted in their Jewish identity, you know they are framed from the very beginning stages of life. They're not an accident. They're a people of God on mission for God to be a light and to be salt in the world around them. And so you and me, we've probably spent many, many days, many, many weeks, maybe long seasons of our life where we're like, well, I've never thought of it like that, but yeah, I have pursued pleasure. And that is the only aim. How comfortable can I make this life? Now, we're all about that. Don't, don't misread that. Pleasure, to, pleasure uh, healthy pleasure is a good thing. God-honoring pleasure, God-honoring fun, right? It's, it's, a, it's a good thing. But it is secondary to what Viktor Frankl proposed in his book, The, the, the Meaning of Life, or Man's Search for uh, Meaningfulness. Purpose is our driving force. And so, go figure. At least according to Viktor Frankl, the Bible's right. The Bible actually gets some things articulated well. Huh, who would have thought? That is even, David would describe, oh my goodness, like I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Is that arrogance? No, 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 that's not arrogance. But it's confidence in this reality that I am created on purpose. You're not your J-O-B. You're not. You're a child of the living God. You're a daughter or a son created with great intentionality. And so I want to I just take a few moments. You're like, this sounds good. Or you're like, this doesn't sound good, and you have to endure it. Either way, your choice. But I want to talk about, because in this greater reward series, we, we want to equip you from a positive direction. Not that you are idle, 
because I don't believe that about your life. But so that you can be aware of when the enemy's coming against your path, against your vision, against your family, against your relationships. Can I tell you, some of the greatest spiritual warfare you will ever face is subtle. It's not knocking on your front door, staring in your little ring app, smiling at you with a pitchfork, dressed in red with bad makeup, like Will Ferrell, right? It's, not, it's just not coming across like that Saturday Night Live skit. I, I wish it was that obvious, but it's not. He's coming across sometimes so subtly. How can I distract? How can I get individuals to buy into a lesser vision, a lesser purpose? And what it does is it, he can create us and get us climatized to, uh, towards idleness. So I want to I unpack with our remaining few moments left, steps towards God purpose. I want to take just for a few moments, if you have been through our growth track, you're going to be very familiar with what I'm about to share with you. We try to zero in and get really intentional through what we call our growth track because we're just bold enough, we're confident enough to believe you were created for purpose, to make a difference. You're a difference maker. John Maxwell, in, in some of his books, he'll state the quote that studies have been made and the most introverted, the most shy, quiet person in a lifetime, in an average lifespan, they will influence over 10,000 people. So extroverts, that's even more than that. People with a big mouth, that's even more than that. I mean, you're going to have a way of influencing people. You, 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 your wake, if you will, behind you, the wake you leave, it's called influence. And can I tell you, when we're zeroed in on our purpose, when we're aware that we're created and designed, wired by God to do something, to make a difference, no matter our level of influence, man, we can live and wake up with a purpose and with a plan. So what I'm about to share, again, if we, we go through some of this 100% in our growth track. We do, but I want to just bring it up before all of us today. Five things to have on your mind. First, Step towards God's purpose as we make those steps. The first step, discover your personality and giftedness. Discover your personality and giftedness. Do you know you are a personality? Everybody else knows it. <laughs> Do you know you are a personality? You have giftedness. I, th I like to think of this as our spiritual gifts, plus our natural talents, plus our experiences in life. Kelly and I, my, my wife and I, last year, we, we got all into the Enneagram. Don't let that throw you. It, it sounds strange. It's great. It's a, it's a real personality way. You find out how you're wired, you know. Let's try to make sense of one another. Ooh, let's try the Enneagram, you know. And... Um, it, it, it's fantastic. Here's, here's what I like about it. It just gives you a number. It's like you are a blah. Wow, how convenient and simple. Ah, I like that. But I begin to unpack it, begin to think of some of our wiring, and about a couple months into it, Kelly's like, whoa, time out. Time out. Then she dropped the God card, which I do believe she got this from God. But she said, time out, Paul. Listen, listen. A personality test, here's what it does. It clarifies 
not justified. It's like, ouch, that's inappropriate. <laughs> you know, come on, you ever try to justify? It's just my wiring. God's like, no, it's not. <laughs> But a personality can, can, can clarify, and I'll tell you why that's so important. It can be so important because sometimes, so often, we are trying to live from a false self, not live as our true self wired in God. So we see platforms. We assume that's the most influence. I've got to try to be like so-and-so. No, no, no. The best thing you can ever do for your life is to be rooted in who God has created you to be, to be settled to be content, but also to be aware, how am I wired? We do in our, uh, in our growth track, we do the DISC profile, D-I-S-C, but it helps bring an awareness. Spiritual gifts, we do an assessment in our growth track. Why, man, why do we think of doing that? Well, we think of doing that because we believe unlocked inside of you, as the scriptures declare, the Holy Spirit has gifted you. He's portioned to you. You have a part to play, not only in the local church, but in the kingdom of God, the global church. That somehow, if you're not activating your purpose, the global church is missing out. You have to re-envision how you're wired and who you're created to be. So, so the first step, I think of that. Discover your personality and your giftedness. David says in Psalm 139, 14, I will praise you, for I'm wonderfully and fearfully made. So a step closer, if you will, a further step. It takes a, a, maybe a little bit more time, a little bit more um, learning and growing. Second, I just frame it, discover your zone. It's kind of, if you've ever been on a sports team, you know the importance of knowing your role. Come on, any of you hit a growth, growth spurt during high school? Junior high, you were the best point guard on the planet. And then as a sophomore, <laughs> you're a center. What happened? Well, two feet and a lot of leg pain later. I mean, you grew. You, 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 you begin to discover, right? Sometimes you begin to change a little bit. Sometimes you begin to shift a little bit. Sometimes you have to renew, refresh. Man, what is my placement? Where do I fit in? As a church, part of our vision, a big part of our vision, doesn't we, we don't get you the first time you come. We're not trying to get in your face, but we do want to let you know, and you have a part to play. I tell people in our membership meal, I know as a church we have something you need, but I also want you to see you have something our church body needs. There's a past. There's a hurt you've been healed from. There's a unique wiring. Dare I say some parts of your personality are needed in our body. We're not the complete package. Paul is encouraging the church. He's like, the church is never the complete package. We need one another. <clears throat> and what happens is the body begins to function and make a tremendous difference in the region and globally. But think about this for you personally, right? This is kind of what high school counselors were needed for, right? How many of you ever saw your high school counselor? Well, this message is definitely for y'all, all right? <laughs> and, 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 you know, you, you sit down with them and then, you know, because you know, how many of you know as a sophomore you have everything figured out? You're like, what do you want to do with your life? Uh, pass. I want to pass. <laughs> just, 
pass. You know, <laughs> and you're, you're, but, but a good counselor, what do they do? A good counselor, well, if they're a believer, they're praying for you. But you know, they're like a good parent. They see the strengths and the weaknesses and begin to cultivate and equip within you your God-given purpose, your God-given destiny. One of the subtle things of the enemy, how he can lead us into idleness, he whispers to our soul, you don't matter. You'll never measure up. Nobody could ever listen to you. Then he gets trigger happy with the one word, hypocrite, liar, deceiver, idiot, loser, abuser, abused. It's what he does. And we take the cheap shots, take the hits. We're like, oh, he's right. I mean, think about it. The job description of the enemy is to accuse the brethren day and night. He wants to rip your God-given purpose. He wants to rip you away from discovering your talents, discovering your zone. He wants to even deceive yourself. And if we're not careful, we begin to believe the lies. And what happens is we just begin to lack purpose and without even knowing... One week leads to two weeks, leads to two months, leads to ten years, and here we are, idle, idle. It's tough to get out of bed. It's tough to control our temper. It's tough to walk in the fruit of the Spirit when you feel less than perpetually. I think in some ways Paul is piercing the souls of the listeners in this letter to Ephesians. Because right before that, he uses the verse that Josh shared, that, that we've been saved by grace. It's nothing we can earn or strive towards. Grace is the entry point, right? Reckless love, baby. That's the first song on my life's playlist. Thank you, Lord, for the reckless love of God. But then where, where do we move? We move into our purpose, move into our destiny. And life, even in the transitional seasons of life, right? Man, Think about every season of my life, I've had an overwhelming sense of purpose. I blame God. I blame my parents. I blame my pastor. It's their fault. I've always had a sense of purpose. Now I blame my wife. I blame my kids. Man, I have an overwhelming sense of purpose. Can I tell you? It's not a long step. It's a little flip the switch. It's a little flip the switch. Man, can I dare you to believe you have a purpose? You're not your J-O-B. It may be part of it, maybe a vital piece to the puzzle, and I hope that it is. I hope you're in a career you love, but even if you're not, know that you can live with a sense, a deep sense of purpose. Third here, develop yourself. 1 Timothy 4.8, for physical training, we, we talked about this last week, it's of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. I remember when I was first um, called into ministry, April 2000, Toronto, Canada at a youth conference, 
I remember the Lord tapped me on the shoulder at 18 years of age. He said, man, I've called you to this. I've called you to this. I was going to be a uh, history professor. God bless us all. <laughs> then I was going to be uh, in the music business. Love music. Still do. Love the, the, the production, the recording, the, the business side of it. Uh, and then I felt that call. felt that. Just stepped in, shifted. Went to Anderson University my freshman year, then transferred to Lee University. and Never lacked a day of purpose. Because I continued. Sometimes I'd have to battle off the whispers of the enemy. Sometimes I'd have to silence and delete the lies of, uh, of, of not being worthy enough, of never being able to make a difference, and blah, 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 blah. Delete, 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 delete. There were battles engaging in that, but I always knew I had, had a deep, deep-rooted sense of purpose. And I want to be here today to awaken that within you. That when you look in the mirror, and when you see yourself or you're driving down the road, never just see yourself as casually created, just haphazardly put together. Like, you know, if, 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 if you go to buy a, an Apple MacBook, especially if you go to buy a MacBook or a new laptop, you can fall for this temptation. It's called refurbished. And it is sometimes several grand cheaper than the brand new model. Which if you're wired a little bit like me, you're like, thank you, God. Thank you, God, for the refurbished model. Because why? You're going to save money. You can put it there. You can invest it there, whatever. But here's what I'm going to tell you. Sometimes we, we just look at our lives and think, man, we just repurpose. We just second rate. Can I tell you, no, 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 no. Romans 8.28 says God's going to use all that for all of this. But here's the thing. It takes some intentionality from our part. We have to be willing to see ourselves in that way, and then we've got to make the attempt. We've got to begin to step forward. Developing yourself. Develop yourself. I mean, the access we have between podcasts, between books, between YouTube videos, oh, it's remarkable how we can begin to develop ourselves, how we can begin to learn, how we can begin even with college and online college, the degrees we can get, so on and so forth. I mean, there are ways to develop and refine ourselves. How many of you know the disciples, they weren't the end goal. They weren't the, they weren't the end package. God had a lot of work to do. And what they kept doing is they kept showing up, kept yielding, and slowly but surely, God began to transform them. It's the same that he does for us. So, Moving right along, develop, your, or develop yourself and then here, deploy your purpose within every context. Deploy your purpose within every context. Go into every context, mission-minded. Mission-minded. Your marriage, mission-minded. Your singleness, mission-minded. I'm waiting. I'm saving myself. I'm trusting God. I'm waiting. I'm saving myself. I'm trusting God. I'm not getting into weird, whacked out situations. I'm keeping hold of the boundaries, pursuing purity, pursuing holiness. Why? There's a greater reward. There's a greater reward. I messed up. Confess, repent, get back on track. Why? Why? Does it matter? Does it matter? It matters. And it's important. That's just one angle. But why, why not cheat? Why, why, why stay the course? Why remain faithful? Why remain a person of integrity when everybody in my workplace is cuckoo crazy? Well, look at them. They're over there cheating. 
You try to cheat, the Holy Spirit comes all up on you. You're like, no, man, get away from me. He's like, obey me. Obey my word. Be a person of integrity. Be a person of ethics. You may be the only Bible somebody reads. Stay strong. Stay strong. And you're like, man, just I want to shake it. I want to get ahead. It's a temptation. It's a temptation, but we begin to see ourselves fearfully, wonderfully made. We begin to deploy within every context our mission, our purpose, to be salt and light to the world around us. Amen? Amen. Rick Warren, in his book, The Purpose Driven Life, I love this. The only really happy people are those who have learned how to serve. Debatable, but it's a good quote. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. The only really happy people are those who have learned how to serve within every context. Within every context, there's a purpose. Purpose. Man, yesterday, 40 men, it was remarkable, 40 men at our men's breakfast. Remarkable. Great time. Ran out of food. Not fun, but it was good. Thanks, Josh, for that run. <laughs> Talking with one another, encouraging one another, reminding ourselves, man, we're not alone. We need one another. God's got a purpose. God's got a plan. Hearing how out of our brokenness and out of our past, God creates the ministry and the moments we have moving forward. What, why, why host that? Why go through all the legwork? Why show up at 6.30 to start grilling bacon, Jim? Thank you for your service. Yes, ma'am. Man, is he crazy? I, I don't know. You'd have to talk with him. But why? Why? Why the sacrifice? Why the energy? Why the effort? Because we believe in the power of the one. That if one man comes tomorrow, or, you know, comes this morning... I'm overtired. We were up early cooking bacon. But if one man come, comes and, and receives their purpose, it's worth it. If somebody can be encouraged, if somebody can be uplifted, somebody can be inspired again, that, man, I know, it's, I know the hours are long, but you're a good dad. You're a good dad. Stay the course. Is it worth it? It's worth it. You're a good husband. You're a good father. Yeah, there's some mistakes back there. Let God handle it. Let's keep pressing in, pressing forward. In your singleness, is it worth it? It's worth it. <laughs> God, keep speaking, speaking life over your future. You know what I mean? Why do we begin to do those things? Because we just believe you're not an accident. God's created you on purpose. Deploy your purpose within every context. The only really happy people, I love that, are those who have learned how to serve. And I threw in this fifth one because I'm competitive. I need to go through freedom again, somebody. Our freedom small group. <laughs> Number five, for us competitively wired people who search others on Facebook to make sure we're better off than they are. You're right. That was painful. Whew. I don't know if I feel better or not, right? I don't know. I don't, y'all don't do that? Okay, good. You know, come back next week. Stay in your lane. Stay in your lane. Can I tell you, with the rise of social media, oh my goodness, the rise of subtle competitiveness, the comparison trap. As a father, man, do I measure up? 
Do I add up? As a mother, do I measure up? Do I add up? Am I okay not having my kids in 16 different sports? You know? My, my, my home-cooked meal does not look as good as their home-cooked meal. I'll stop. That was good. I had some funny things lined up, but you know, you know. Sometimes, sometimes the Lord, the Lord's just inner witnesses. Stop. <laughs> Stand down. Oh yes, sir. All right, good. Where were we? Stay in your lane. Come on. But as somebody who is recovering from low self-esteem, as somebody, as somebody who has at times felt worthless, not much to give, not much to offer, let me encourage you, silence those thoughts, stay in your lane, we're not going to get to heaven, God's going to be like, yeah, Paul, why didn't you, why didn't you run Josh's race better, why didn't, and why didn't you run your dad's race better, why didn't you run, I don't know, the CEO, the CFO, this entrepreneur. Why don't you run all these different, he's going to say, well done. Well done, my good and faithful servant, for staying in your lane. Discovering your purpose. It's important. I'm going to end with a story. It's short. I could feel the nervous tension. It's short. <laughs> you know, it's not a sermon unless I've recommended or quoted a book. This book is uh, its a little dated, as in it's, I think it's going on about 13, 14 years. It's written by an author named Donald Miller, and it's called A Million Miles in a Thousand Years. A million miles in a thousand years. It's fun. It's a quick read. But he shares a heart-to-heart he had with one of his friends. He had a good friend who, a loving husband, a loving father, and whose teenage daughter was in many ways going off course. And so he just shares this. It's a little snippet from the book. Donald's buddy, Jason, has a teenage daughter who he claims (laughs) is dating a loser. And Jason is worried that the boyfriend has convinced his baby girl to start using drugs. Donald responds with a seemingly rude remark. It sounds like she's living a terrible story. The statement haunts Jason. He goes home and wrestles with the story that he, as a father, was inviting his family to live. He realizes that his daughter's boyfriend was offering her an element of adventure. So Jason does some research and comes up with an adventure plan of his own. He commits to taking out a second mortgage on their home and donates 25000 to help build an orphanage in Mexico. At first... His wife and kids think he's gone off his rocker. But eventually, they get excited about the idea, even go to Mexico themselves 
in the midst of thinking about these lonely kids who have no parents. Jason's daughter breaks up with a loser and starts living a better story, focused less on herself and more on helping others. Beautiful story. That's just a brief synopsis of it. But let me ask you, are you aware of the story you're living? Do you wake up with a sense of purpose? Are you aware that you're not called to live aimlessly and idly let life go by? Do you know that God has called you that he set you apart, that he loves you, that he sent his son, as some scripture would record, even before the foundations of the earth, God gave himself for you. Today, it's not about writing out a 20-year plan, but it's about reminding ourselves again that we have a purpose, we are set apart, and shaking off the idleness that, let's be honest, it tries to get in to every one of us. Let's live our life intentionally and as people of purpose, submitted and to surrender to God's plan. Amen?